Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Man, are we getting close to season here for myself. I'll be headed to North Dakota in just about a month from today, honestly. That is one of my favorite trips of the year, and it has me really excited. Season is approaching quickly. I was out glassing bucks last night, and man, the time is here. And in today's episode for the Deer Gear Podcast, George and I are talking about mechanical broadheads. We spend a lot of time talking about fixed blade broadheads and what makes a good fixed blade broadhead, the design, and we haven't really talked about mechanical broadheads, and there is a lot of guys still shooting mechanical broadheads. I definitely get the benefits of them, and a really good friend of mine, Dan Bayes, has been going down the wormhole of broadheads for the last few years, and he's going back to mechanicals this year, and I think it's justified in some cases. So I was curious to learn more about mechanical broadhead design, what makes a good one, the difference between rear deploying, front deploying, how much energy is actually required to open these things, and the pros and cons. So that's what today's conversation is all about. Before I get into the podcast, like I said, guys, archery season is right around the corner. And if you need to get some new arrows, now is a really great time. The Exodus Velvet Fest sale is live. It's the official start to deer season. Everyone around the office, everyone around deer hunting is getting fired up. So on the entire website, arrows, cameras, accessories, it's 15% off with the code VFEST23. And we have a different special every week. So this week, launch today, you can get four Exodus Rivals for $5.99. That's $120 of savings. You're almost getting a camera free. So use the code RIVAL4 at checkout to take advantage of that savings and then vfest 23 to buy anything else on the website 15 percent off don't wait guys season is right around the corner we need to be getting our stuff dialed in if you're running cell cameras run them behind the house get the kinks worked out make sure you know how to operate them that way when you put them out in the woods for the fall they don't give you any headaches that's all i have for the announcements guys let's get into the podcast have a great friday and here we go All right, everyone. Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Dorj, it's early for you. Yes, it is. I just come back from fishing. That's uh, that's Dorj's main passion. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think he's a nut about bows and arrows and stuff, you should see the the fishing collection. But that's a that's a whole other uh, whole other animal there. But um. No, so it's not a herd. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> not an animal. That's not just a single animal. <laughs> it's a herd. <laughs> so, um, something that's kind of fresh uh, on my mind as we're building a ton of arrows, and um, as you know, and as you listeners know, the first question to ask folks um, when we're building an arrow is, "What is the broadhead that you have to shoot?" and um, that topic of broadheads has been it's always been popular but the mechanical broadhead had like a a, a super big shining moment um in years past and then it seems like the fixed blade broadhead is like taken over but there's still quite a bit of folks shooting mechanical broadheads and i want to know what makes a good mechanical broadhead if that is the broadhead that folks are wanting to shoot because they want a bigger cut and more forgiving flight. What makes a mechanical broadhead good? 
Well, first of all, the, the, I, let me sort of go back to history a little bit so we know. The first broadhead is called the uh, uh, Blood Trailer or something like that. It actually is a broadhead with multiple blades on it that come from it that come out in the 19, 1990s. And then uh, um, two segments of broadhead comes in. One is like the, or the, the originator of Rage, which is the Rocky Mountain Gators. That means the blade go from the forward to the backward and spread. That's a that, that's how the Rocky Mountain Gator worked. And then, the, of course, the other main school is the a new archery product Spitfire, which go with the blade go from the front. You open it; it's the move from the front to the back. In other words, it's a swing from the front of the broadhead to the back of the broadhead. All this broadhead give a lot of people who don't know how to tune bows. The guy who should underspined a really good arrow flight to a certain extent. But all those broadheads have one major downside is that if you ever shoot, just like the way today, if you shoot a rage and you do a quarter away, 35 degree or more, those broadheads have one condition you pretty must do is to shoot the end of point blank. In other words, as perpendicular as you can, because if you don't, the blade deployment can be a can cause the arrow to actually swing out of the animal, having about oh two maybe one inch penetration and the arrow swing out. That happens the most in the Spitfire. It is not the design. You need to understand just like everything design, they have downside, they have upside. And those design, if you shoot quarter away at an angle towards your target, now imagine this. Your point barely touches it. Your side blade contact with the animal. The blade is trying to open. That moment you push the tip of the broadhead away from the target. At the same time, or using the tip as a pivot point, the whole arrow swing over. Now you have no penetration. The arrow literally drop off the animal with maybe an inch penetration. Those are the design. Is that a better design? I mean, of course, that is... Uh, something like the Swaggers, the uh, the Severs, and all those. They all are great as long as you shoot point blank. That means that you point the animal at, say, 90 degree, and the arrow goes in. The higher the angle, angles, the worse it gets. Now, mechanical board had very much just like a, a fixed blade. Now, anybody who should fix blades for a while should fully understand you should practice with the fixed blade. The reason, because just like every single broadhead, the uh, the front of the blade would change the FOC of the of of your entire arrow. So wait a minute, I'm shooting a hundred grain, same thing. No, you're not, because your fixed blade is actually if you have a fixed blade that's longer, bigger than the field point, your FOC changed. The aspect the ratio of the change. broadhead versus the Correct. field point. Now, then people say, well, wouldn't mechanicals resolve the problem? They says there's yes, no major, that's what is major, aerodynamic effect. Answer is that, uh, again, speed is the critical part. If you're shooting 270, 280, the effect is not that big. And mechanical head, in most cases, as long as you practice enough. And that's the reason, I, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to guys like Rage who give you a practice head, which is the same size as your mechanical broadhead. Your, 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 which now you can practice with it. 
it gives you a reasonable, very reasonable, and sometimes as close to say 95% of what the uh, broadhead will flies. Now that said, a lot of people thinking mechanical broadhead will give you a lot of cut. I mean, just like in everything in, in this planet or this world we live in, there's no free lunch. So the real question you need to ask is, what am I giving up? Uh, every single mechanical broadhead, I would say, which about three or four of them I can think of, that do not have the penalty of blade deployment. Nearly every broadhead you shoot, the blade deployment of KE initial loss is dramatic. I mean, let me think, I'm, I'm, my personal opinion, okay, I don't have absolute proof to it, but if you shoot low poundage, I would say 40, 50, don't use split fire. Because see, the, 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 you may shoot a two blade, but three blade is going to really be bad. Because every single blade need to hit and hit so hard, you need to push the blade backwards to deploy it. Now, the the I mean, the fact you remain, there's no broadhead I know of that will penetrate faster, deeper, easier with low energy than the old Ramcat SPG. That's bar none. But then you only got a one inch cut. And I, you know how people are obsessed with, oh, I got a three inch cut hole. <laughs> I mean, I understand. Some people have the need to see the cut. I understand. Not that I agree with, but just like a lot of things we don't agree, but they have the right to use what they have. And if you spread use correctly, it will kill. Absolutely. I mean, a three is a three inch hole better than a one inch hole? In what way is the question? No, a three inch is not better than one inch. Because in most cases, if you do not know how to shoot that three inch mechanical or you never make the target, oh yes, you can cut the leg off and you bleed to death. I understand. <laughs> I fully do. <laughs> and I'm not going to argue that. But, if I, but I would like to see somebody shoot you shoot those three inch cutting ability broadhead or a six inch cutting broadhead. I saw somebody did it. Half the arrow is the broadhead. I, I, I fully understand that, uh, but not that I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can't help myself. I think uh, I try to not be sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think where um, I think a missed point in in some of the mechanical broadheads when you start talking about cutting diameter, not only does a larger cutting diameter require more kinetic energy to open. So as you stated, like if you're a lower pounded shooter, you don't have that much kinetic energy to give up. And mm -hmm. we need penetration. We need mm -hmm. um, we need to get two holes instead of one. And if you have Correct. a three inch hole on the one side of the deer and nothing on the other side of the deer, a one inch hole on both sides, in my opinion, is better. Um, but when you talk about structural integrity of your broadhead, the longer mm -hmm. the blades are to meet the grain requirements to be 100 grains or 125 grains, the thinner the blades have to be to get the weight down. I mean, not necessarily. You could be in the ferrule, but most of the time, if you have a two-inch cut blade, it's a thin blade, and you're going to lose well, structural actually, integrity. That's, that's another thing. I, I agree and disagree with it because, see, remember, 
structural integrity of a broadhead is another misconception. The only thing that absolutely need to work is the penetration tip. After that, whatever it does, it does not matter. And let me give you a, one other example. One of the broadhead I designed with Jim Burnsworth, every single blade on it, it basically got four set of blades and the blades are three and a half inch each. And it got 25 bleeding hooks on it. It's like an angry cricket. <laughs> With the yes, that broadhead will give you more bleed than you know what to do with. I just don't think the world is ready for this kind of broadhead, so I just put it on a hold. You got the pattern already, but I just don't feel like the world is ready because they don't know how to ship basic stuff. The whole idea is that the structural integrity of the blade is it good or bad is based on one and only one thing what is it designed to do? Let me give you an example. Like the Angry Cricket Broadhead that I would just call it because we haven't named it. Actually, we did name it at one time. I called it the Shrapnel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's like shrapnels flying all over the place. The thing is that it doesn't do much and every single blade is as soft. As, I mean, just imagine if you're old enough to remember you open a can of Spam, that wire that you, you, you peel away. How sharp is it? Or how hard is it? It's super soft, isn't it? Have you ever tried to put your head next to it? Uh -huh. you, have mosquito, you have mosquito buffet. In other words, blood everywhere. <laughs> so it is not about the sharpness, the thickness of the blade. The question is that, what is that broadhead designed to do? Second, is that when that broadhead encountered the meat, what is its objective? Now, I mean, I would just use a sample that I do because I actually make those. I make a broadhead called the swing blade. It have a blade that you need is barely three-eighths of an inch long. And then you got blades on it that's one inch. But guess what? The one-inch blade is so soft. It's made of spring steel. So in other words, you have no structural integrity at all. But you'll do one thing. If it touches meat, it'll slice the meat. It touches bones, it'll go around it. So, is that blade bad? Let me, let me ask this question. When you shoot through an animal, do you want a three-inch blade to cut, say, a deer? You open the blade, and the blade happens to open sideways, and both blades hit the rib. And the blade is hard. And the rib is hard, too. How much penetration do you think you're going to get? The blood, yeah. the rib cage will literally stop the blade. Yeah, think I, think, I think... Uh... I think it might be a little bit different because you have a broadhead designed to do what a thin blade is supposed to do, but a lot mm -hmm. of broadhead companies that have a large cut aren't designing the blades to move around bone. It's strictly right. flesh and stuff. And if you do encounter bone, your blades crumble and your penetration mm -hmm. suffers anyway. So Correct. that's why it's a little bit different. That's not just little different, it's a lot. And that's the reason I think the main key of when you look at a broadhead, you need to look at not the blade, not the tip, but the entire design and what it's just supposed to do. I mean, I, I mean, to be frank with you, I even designed a mechanical broadhead like the Swing Bay Falcon, which at low speed will bleed decently. But if you shoot a crossbow at 375 and up with Aerofing 3, it is designed not to bleed. So... Yes, you hear me right. <laughs> Designed not to bleed at all. 
it was supposed to change the stage of the blood stage from a liquid stage to a foam stage. But that's a different story for a different time. Because that is so involved in different, uh, different what you call it, uh, uh, discipline of physics and the discipline of biology. You need to understand what you're trying to do. But then it's a lot of education, but that's what we're here for. But let's go back to other mechanical heads. I mean, like one of the old head, Green Reaper, it gives you the cutting size and so on, but you suffer, it suffered on structural integrity because such a long head and you just don't have enough material. And being a 60-61 aluminum head, you know the ferrule is not strong. So but just like everything else, will it kill deer? Absolutely. It will, it will kill deer very easily. It's a good head. It's a mechanical head. I mean, if you 70 pound, the 26, 27 inch straw at a deer 50 yards, done deal, no problem. And it's a pretty good flying head too. I mean, this is what it is. You need to understand your equipment. What are you able to, to put down? Because people say, oh, I should, my bow shoot 305 feet per second. Yes, at what point? Remember, when you travel distance, your speed will drop. That's the reason some people say, oh, I want, I want much more power behind it. Yes, you, can, you increase your slug force, you increase your momentum. Under those conditions, yes, mechanical will open easier. No doubt, no doubt. So in other words, all those are very good points and they are all valid. The question is that, how do you manage all of the above to do what you want to do? Yeah. I think the question that you asked is the most important question is like, what are you giving up when right. you, when you decide to shoot a mechanical broadhead, you have to know that yes, you have the advantage of getting a larger cut if that's what you want, but there mm -hmm. are downsides to it. And upsides too. Right. Because he, because he, for example, like a lot of customers don't have the time to tune. Okay. And they just kind of get the, get the boat to shoot right for whatever reason, because I know the time, because I've been there. Imagine this, five, uh, 15 days before hunting season, you're doing all project all year long. Now you finally say, I'm, I'm having vacation for two weeks. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 oh crap, my, my bow, I, I need to shoot my bow. And then you put your, uh, I remember the days, I was putting my silver flame from, uh, from German genetics. No, the original silver flame, when Marcus oh. was the guy, which is the original German kinetic silver flame. I was trying to shoot that sucker. It can't. You know why? Because now I know my spine was too low. My my my, my drawing was wrong. My camp my my, my freaking riser cam template was actually off. I mean, if the arrow flies through, only mean one thing: the deer is unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> and I just cannot get it through. And and people and then of course, uh, I, I me and my good buddy Poe, I remember that time. We both say, oh, they, they come with a Spitfire. That's how you, how old I am. I actually was the first guy who bought Spitfire. I bought my Spitfire, and he did too. And then we both go hunting. And the funny thing is, he went before me. He shot the deer, and the brother didn't go in at all. Spitfire. Then he, and I go back to Terry and Archery Custom, out, out in the forest park. He said, this brother don't kill. You know what they, what they sold him? They sold him the turkey spitfire. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, I can't have myself. You know, I, was, I was laughing so hard. See, did you look at the package? You say, you see turkey, but turkeys have to kill. So I bought it. <laughs> he bought a turkey spitfire to shoot the deer. And then because of the round point, now this is another thing. 
the split firework, but the turkey broadhead, the tip is round. Yeah, that's so. So when you hit the deer, it didn't penetrate. It bruised and dent the deer, and the broadhead fall off. <laughs> yes, it was funny. You, I mean, that's one of the things you were for. You have for. I will forever look at him uh, when he talked about it. We'll laugh at him. But anyway, and of course, I bought the Spitfire and uh, the the original, the two blade ones. It works really good. But then uh, I I remember out in Martinos, I was uh, the deer was saw me and tried to run away. I shot at it. The arrow go in really, that's a sharp angle. I would say it's close to 45 degree or more. So the, the arrow go into the animal barely an inch and the whole arrow swing forward because it's, it's way quarter away. I think I got about maybe inch and a half penetration. And remember, I'm shooting an 80 pound Oneida. Yeah. That's a I'm lot shooting of... at that time at 304 feet per second. Wow. So that tell you. So that is is all about. First of all, that is where I'm able to hunt because I can't get the silver flame to fly at all, because I'm shooting a the spine of the arrow is too low. Now I understand all my problems, but then you know you have to went through what if you have went through what I have went through, you'll be as good as that because you know all the stuff that you shouldn't do. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I have uh. I guess a, a gen- general question here, rear deploying mm-hmm. blades, front deploying blades, in your opinion, the design of that, which, which one is better for penetration? They are the same in okay. some way because they both use energy. The front deployment blade in some cases are better in structural integrity because the blades are more, uh, they control the blades better. I mean, is that any broadhead? I think mechanically are extremely smart. I say yes, the Tekkens, the G5 Tekkens, in my opinion, is one of the best design mechanical head out there, bar none. The flying characteristic is perfect. I don't know why they discontinue it, because I think just because they look for something newer, I'm the guy who believes if something works, don't screw around with it. <laughs> I mean, just like one of the best non-mechanical broadhead was the Rocky Mountain Blitz. It was so well designed, except every single blade come to the factory misinstalled. <laughs> they put the blade on the wrong side. <laughs> if you want to fight far, it was funny though, but the, the, unlike others, they actually put the blade, let the blade put the left or the right spin. If you want a broadhead to spin correctly, you don't flow with the blade, you counter the wind, which is exactly opposite from everybody's who, who thought that, oh, you smooth around with the wind. No, you want to counter with the wind to disturb it so you have control. I mean, if you look at F-16 on the side of the cockpit, there's two ridges on it. You know why is it there? To disturb the wind flow so you have control. Because if you let the wind do whatever the wind to do, you're you not no in control. the wind. You have no control. And just like a broadhead, if you let the wind do what it is, it will drift. So you need to disturb it so you are the one in control. Because okay. can you trust the wind or air density as the arrow travel through the, the media? No, you don't. Right. That's the reason that some people say don't shoot over 25 yards. But the fact is that if you have well-designed broadhead, well-made uh, well arrow, you can actually shoot all the way, I mean, yes, all the way to about 130, 140 yards. I got custom from double archery. Andy will tell you. He got customer shooting vertical bows at 130 yards with no issue and dropped ears. Now, of course, I'm not saying that people should do that. The answer is that 
did you or me were able to snipe a guy at 1,700 yards? Hell no. But if we have the training, we practice, we know our area, answer is absolutely. So sure. it is not about, yes, equipment has to able to work first. Second, the skill level and, and also the experience had to come into play. Okay. Um, how about mechanical broadheads that will cut an O-ring to deploy? What's your thought on that? Well, actually, the O-ring is not a bad design at all. As a matter of fact, if you look at my swing blade, it was an O-ring too. But that was one problem. How many people remember to put a fresh O-ring before they go? Yeah, no one. See, just like O-ring clips everything. I mean, like G5. No, like the Spitfire. Can you imagine you shoot the G5, shoot the Spitfire into a block target a few times? You don't even have to, you, you not just have to replace the clip. You have to open the whole thing, clean all the shaft, put the new clip on it before you work. So why would the O-ring not be, why would you not replace those? Because it's just like when you gain something, you lose something. That was one thing I always told people. If you shoot mechanicals, look at your engagement mechanism and maintain it. I mean, it's like everything else. If you want simple, no maintenance, you go with the simplest form. It's like fishing rod. You, if you fish a lot, you know one piece. Two pieces, you're going to end up the first piece in the in the river. Yeah. <laughs> Same yeah. thing with, 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 if you don't want to maintain your mechanical broadhead, don't use it. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, fair. And then what, what it is, is that, and another thing that people also do not know, oh, I should put the mechanical brand new in my quiver. I have not touched it for a year or two. Hey, your O-ring is no longer in the in oil bag, it can dry rot. Oh yeah. So imagine if your arrow actually, if your product actually deployed mid-air, where do you think it's gonna be? Yeah, that's bad. That's a recipe for disaster. Exactly, because you now your concentration is out, everything is out. You must well not hunt. That's the reason, I mean, very good point. Anybody who use mechanical broadheads, first of all, know your mechanical broadhead, know the retaining system. And you maintain it because just because it's brand new. Like this, another thing. Some people say, "Oh, I bought a, a four-year-old broadhead on the shelf, brand new." Have you asked yourself, is the O-ring dry rotted? <laughs> it can, you know. Especially okay. some people. I remember one time I saw a company. They use colored O-ring to look cute. Uh, colored rubber don't work. They, they're even more brittle. Stick with blue tie, which is black. Yeah, isn't G5, aren't G5s blue? Um, I try not to be too precise. <laughs> <laughs> I shot the, uh, I think I shot like the G5 dead meats or something um, mm -hmm. at one year, or it was one of those, but I was like, pretty sure those had blue O-rings on them. <laughs> yeah, it looks cool, but it's the performance there. Remember, you add, you add color. Your your draw your your draw your drawmeter on the rubber on uh, behavior changed. Do you want performance or you look cute? First of all, who is looking at a broadhead besides you? You think the deer will look and say, "Gee, I won't be I, I won't be dead because you got blue color. I don't like blue. Maybe yellow." <laughs> yeah, yeah think, that was uh... the. But you know what? Broadhead, I like lures. Do you know that most lures only a certain color work? All the rest is to lure customers, fishermen. It's not to, they are useless to go fishing. I mean, it's like 
when the time seven season, you go up to Pavela, there's only one color, always gone. All the rest is still there. Because what? They're good looking, but they don't catch fish. Yep. <laughs> Same if, thing uh... with broad hair. If it was all performance based, all every vein on an arrow would be white. Every design on an arrow would be white. Um, mm-hmm. There's just and all strings would be natural colored. Absolutely. Uh, I wish I wish that was the case sometimes because it would make things a hell of a lot simpler on our end. Oh, <laughs> your end uh, too for carrying skews. Yeah, but at the same time, making color is not a simple thing. I mean, just like I remember my vein colors, every single dye on the vein I use macaron. Because the density and flexibility is the same. When you add color, the plastic changes. That's the same thing with O-rings. If we change color, the plastic, the drawmeter change, the retaining property change. You need, maybe need a bigger one. You may rot easier. The yeah. the butyl don't hold together the better. I mean, those things are one, how do I say it? You're going hunting. You're not going for fashion shows. But I understand. I fully do. Some people go hunting, show up on the place they are like, what is the latest fashion pattern is what they had. Yeah. I just say, you know, my favorite word is, I understand. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a couple points I, I, I want to cover. Um, no, the number one thing is the reason all this was on my mind. Um, I want to get your opinions on this. I, I feel like um, a lot of the heavy arrow trend the high foc trend a lot of the arguments um people make is against a lightweight broadhead because they always say watch the hunting shows watch the tv shows and watch how many pass-throughs you see um do you think this is my opinion and it's not proven it's not the it's just an opinion and a a guess i'm speculating Mm -hmm. but um I feel like the combination in a lot of that was what you said, shot angle, number one, Mm -hmm. two, broadhead, three, shot placement, not Mm -hmm. the arrow weight in in those scenarios. Yes. If you shoot a a, a two-blade broadhead and you shoot a heavy arrow and the distance is close, the arrow flight characteristic is not critical. If you shoot an animal that's like 30, 30 yard, which is really where everything's sort of changed, at a, at a, uh, it's a, I would say walking away shot or walking towards shot. And then you shoot a mechanical broadhead, like a front deploy, like a Spitfire. And your arrow flight characteristics is not good. You just exaggerate the problem. Not just marginally. We're talking two, three times. Yeah. Which is what I went through one with the with a small with a small buck I did, the blade go in from the back, just behind the just about the at the end of the rib cage it go in about inch and a half and the air because of the way they deploy the arrow blade tried the blade tried to deploy it's a two blade, so the blade tried to deploy it actually pushed the arrow out and the arrow swing forward and drop to the ground. Yep. How much penetration I got from I can see the ferro back of the split fire don't even got blood. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad news. So we're talking about the inch and a quarter total penetration. And remember, I'm shooting an 80-pound Oneida on a 460-grain arrow. That's not a light arrow on an Oneida 80-pound. No, no. I got close to dry firing that thing. Yes. And just remember, 
that air, that bow have close to a hundred k year on it. But then the bow is not well tuned. I don't know about aerodynamics. All this is where I do back in the nineteen eighties. That my nineties is where I give up the nerder because I I finally find out the bow I got was actually machine wrong. Yeah. So. No, I'm not saying people need to go through what I go through and learn, because unfortunately, some people like myself can't learn well and keep on thinking it was something and try to go one way or the other. I go from extreme lightweight. I remember the days of shooting 24-inch arrow on a 29-inch draw. I got a 5-inch overdraw. I mean, at the same time, you know, those, are they good? If you shoot the deer, technically... All mechanical broadhead, if you're able to get it fly reasonably well, because mechanical broadhead really help you fly. Now, let me tell you what would absolutely guarantee a good mechanical broadhead for flying characteristic. Now, this is another thing. Flying characteristic is one of the biggest deal that most people don't understand. The shorter the broadhead overall, the better. That's yeah. the reason, you know, I really think the, the G5 Tekken, that one was one of the best design. Because it's so short. Yeah. Because it, it matches the physical shape of your fuel point. For better flight. And yeah. way, for way better flight. The only downside with the Titan is that every time you shoot through animal and so on, you need to change the retaining system. So what's bad about it? Yeah. We finger you. If let, it did its job. Ourselves, right. Let's ask this question. How many animal for most of the a city slicker hunter really shot at a year. Not many. I mean, you hard pressed to push two. Yeah, and you buy no, seriously. a couple packs of broadheads every year. Right, because it, 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 it's, it's like my beginning of my every time I go fishing. Do I need really to buy lures? No, but it seems to be part of the ritual. <laughs> <laughs> Do I really need another pack of jig hat? No, but I, I go anyway. It's like, oh, let's look at it. What's new? Yep. No, whatever you got work, but it's just part of the deal. So yes, does mechanical broadhead a real good alternative? Answer is yes. But then you need to understand, just like everything else in, in life, including hunting, especially at hunting, you need to think of what you want to do, what you're trying to accomplish, what your objective is before you go forward. Just because it worked for somebody somewhere, somehow, it does not mean it worked for you. Yeah. Because if you are a super heavy, like I, I, I would tell uh, one of my one of the uh, DNL guy I know up in Wisconsin who I set up for Duchesne, that's the last name, and uh, he is going for pronghorn, and I set him up with my swing blade. Guess what? He missed every single one of them. It's a mechanical broadhead. It's perfect flight. How come he, he missed every single pronghorn he was trying to shoot at? Because he was crawling. Oh yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. If you got a mechanical head, you 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 got mechanical head that easy to be deployed and you crawl. What do you think the brasses, the branches, the leaves going to do with your broadhead? Yeah. That's the reason you know for that situation, a split fire may be your best choice. But at the same time, if you shoot a pronghorn that is should shoot a mute a mute deer that's in grass, do you really want a mechanical? No. At that moment, a rage would be better because it's red deployed. Compared to a Spitfire, because if a Spitfire catch that, that the grass, it's gonna open and then you never make the target. The 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 rage will at least go in, because it is a backward deployed 
just like the Rocky Mountain Gators. The rage is is quite a glorified Rocky Mountain Gator. Yeah. Now then people say, how about side swing blade with the with the nip on the side and he opened up, keep cutting, cutting up to three inch. Same thing. What instead are you looking flying characteristic? Is the broadhead able to forgive something? And so you fly true. I mean, those are all things you have to think about. And people say, well, that's too much thinking. Hello, my friend. If you don't want to go basic, maybe you should give up hunting. Yeah. And then, no, I'm not trying to be prestigious. It's the truth. Because if you just want something simple, something whatever, you can go and stick with mechanical. But you know what happened for those guys who have heavy FOC, uh, long draw. The spine is never going to be right. You're never going to get the bow tune right. Yes, can you eventually get it right? Yes, eventually you will. When you put enough, I mean, that's the reason I said the arrow concept is one of the best things that will save you. Yep. Um, one of my favorite broadheads, mechanical broadheads. Well, I guess it's not a mechanical broadhead. I'm not a mechanical guy. I shot mechanicals mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and um, honestly, I never had an issue. I had pass-throughs on both bucks that I shot with mechanical broadhead. Um, but I just couldn't get away from the uh, mental game that it played in my head that there was something in that broadhead that could fail. There was something that could happen that could fail. So I'm a fixed blade guy. But anyway, um, one of well, my this favorite... is, uh, let me Let me bring it back to you on this specifically. Everything will fail. A fixed blade will fail. If you shoot a super heavy FOC with a fixed blade and the flight characteristic is so bad, the fixed blade will fail too. Especially yeah. a two blade. Yeah, I don't. So I, in other, I don't in other words, in other words, is that you need to know your equipment and what you're trying to do with it. I, I, I'm a true believer is that a mechanical or a fixed blade will absolutely both work very well as long as you fit your style, your style of hunting. And the way your setup is, yeah. The thing is that remember the me- mechanicals are for people who don't have time. I fully understand. That's a lot of people like myself back then. If you do consulting, you do all the work or, or tradesman, you're on the road all these years, and then now you got hunting season is around the corner. You got fifty, you got eight days, ten days, fifteen days to get ready. Yeah, and your book and your arrow just don't shoot like the way you should. On every single broadhead you you have in your arsenal, do you give up hunting that year? Hell no. So at that moment, mechanical broadhead, some of them will give you the benefit. But at the same time, you also need to understand. Okay, I'm shooting, say, a Spitfire. I need to make sure I, the deer was broadside towards me, totally broadside. I don't do the faraway shot. Yeah, I don't do the angle shot. You cannot because. At that moment, the word unethical come into full play. Yeah, yeah, that um, that is what Chad did last year. Uh, waited to the last minute before he went to September, uh, or waited to the last minute before he went to Idaho in September, and was trying to get his fixed blade broadheads to shoot, and couldn't get him to shoot past forty yards because his bow wasn't tuned, and he just threw, which was I was going to say is one of my favorite um, mechanical style broadheads is the afflictor hybrid uh k2 mini which it's it's small it's a mini feral uh which you you Mm -hmm. were talking about but um 
he shot an elk with it, full pass through. Well, actually, awesome I, blood I'm, trail. I, I need to so remind you that some states mechanicals are absolutely no no. Just be yeah, careful. Yeah, Idaho's not one of them. Um, Which is good because I remember back then, back then, Idaho is one of them. Is no mechanical, no light and axe. I know the law changed for quite a few of them. Yeah. Or some for some places for some animals, they absolutely would not let you use mechanical. It's not that the mechanical is bad, but most people don't know how to use it right. 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 That's the right. problem again. Is yeah. use it right. Yeah. And um, just to my my uh, point on failure, I didn't I didn't mean like failure as in not penetrating. I meant as failure as in the blades opening uh, in mm-hmm. the quiver, the blades opening mm-hmm. in flight, the blades not yep, opening. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fixed blade broadhead can't do that. Like the blades oh, are absolutely. fixed. So that's that's yes. what I meant by that. Oh, absolutely. You just you should, you just got another layer of of mechanical that have to work. Can you call it a failure? No. I mean, like I I vividly remember when I do an engineering class. One of the thing example the professor have have said that one of the most complicated extreme on the mechanical engineering is uh is a is a uh the the Su twenty landing gear from Russia. It bent six different ways before it touched the ground. Anybody knows you shouldn't do that. But the fact is that the engine and everything is the way, so they have to do it. So the the answer is that do you not do it or you do it? Yeah. The answer is that if you have to do it and all the limitation, this is your answer. Like yeah, for the yeah. guy. Right. I mean, you, you don't have time and then there's nothing will fly right except, say, XYZ mechanical broadhead. Do you not hunt? Oh, no, you got, you're going hunting. Exactly. So at that moment, you know there's going to be all kinds of downside, but what's the alternative? Yeah. If you're like me, there is no alternative. I'm no. going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, f- I feel that. I need to start practicing with broadheads here soon. I got to buy some more of those... Uh... Um, what I shoot last year, the, not the trauma hawk, the, no, you shot the dagger, the dagger. Yeah. Which pretty, pretty outstanding. Um, pretty yeah, outstanding. The dagger, yeah. The dagger is simple. And people say, it's not sharp enough. I say, hmm, have you ever been cut by a serenity knife? They are sharp, but they don't feel sharp when you first cut yourself until you bleed everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, I wish I couldn't recover my arrow. I, blew so far through the deer i never found it so there goes a pretty expensive broadhead on the end of that thing but um well, this, year you got light, this year you got you should be i told you you should be very focused on your how to use your light axe yeah yeah i think that will we'll be about, mm-hmm. i think that that's a like you said that's a topic that's uh not really understood enough no actually the light enough topic was not understood by so many people because everybody thought a lighted nut is, is just light on the back of the arrow. No, it is a lot more involved. Why do you think, I mean, let me break a little bit. Do you know at Fine Art, we make over 10,000 variations of lighted nut? No. No, you'd hear me right. 10,000 variations. That's sickening. And people say a lighted nut just light up, right? Uh, no. Just like if you buy a latest flashlight, did the flashlight just light? Yeah, it flashes and then if it lights up and then it blinks, it changes colors and it blinks, it blinks in different frequencies and so on. Why do they do that? 
What's the intention behind it? Oh, <clears throat> okay, let me start. I put my professor's shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> a light knock is not just a light knock. It's a way to visualize what you intend to do. Because after the arrow left the bow, there's nothing that connects you to the arrow anymore. A light knock gives you a lot better sense of what happened to the arrow and what after the shot. Because first of all, you help you recover the arrow significantly. Oh, if yeah. you have shoot, if you shoot in a CRP field without a light knock, and you shoot through animal, and and you shoot a ground blind, if you can just immediately find your arrow, you'll be you're beyond lucky. Have you ever seen the shooting a CRP on a ground blind with an arrow when you shot it? You're not gonna find it. <laughs> yeah, that's not. With a light knock, you got a you, you got a chance, especially after sundown. Now, just again, again, a light knock. People say, well, you know, how about the light? Do you know that we actually, at this moment, we make three different functions of light in fire knock? Yes, you hear me right. Function. A lot of people do not recognize our fire knock hunting knock is actually a blinking light of 1,000 times per second over 10,000 cycles. Think about what I just said. Imagine you cut one, one, one second into 1,000 sectors and you blink it in every 10,000 of a second, it blink once. So by sense of electricity, you only one-tenth the power, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you got a solar light because your eyes cannot, cannot pick up anything over 28, 28 times per second. And I'm giving you a thousand, which also give. I mean, that is actually a fuzzy logic computer running on ten hertz. I'm not going to go into computer class today, so I'll, I'll skip that portion. Uh, that's if you shoot it on uh, October first. That sucker should be still lit, if not by Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas. That's nuts. Yeah, that's what you're looking at. That's the final hunting circuit which is a so-called solid light. But then we also recognize for people who do ground blind, you need a lot brighter light. So we actually also make the blinking light. Actually, that was from the days of the final when it was a project uh, instant runway. The blinking light was the first light when we shoot the instant runway to the ground. That blinking light had one capability that all others do not have. It's a visible up to two miles in total darkness. Wow. Yes, you hear me right. But people say, why do you two miles? Well, if you're flying to land, how far do you want to be before you see the runway? <laughs> yeah, and that's what they were designed for. Yeah. Exactly. So what did what did we do for the blinking light? We actually, there's a capacitor in it. Imagine this. You, you divide the two seconds into 10 sectors. I'm going to charge the capacitor nine-fifth, another 1.8 seconds into the capacitor and then burst them out in 0.2 seconds. That's the reason you give you about, you give you no less than two miles in total darkness. Can it be longer? Answer is yes. Depends on how the battery condition is. That's crazy. That's the blinking light. Because uh, I original, I designed this, I was doing all the practicing and so on. I actually designed a third function. It's called target. The target version, that means the moment you shot it, it run on a digital timer. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
17 seconds after you shot it, 17 seconds later, it shut itself off. People say, what do you mean by that? Who need that? I say, everybody who hunts, who actually hunts, who should have at least one target knot, if not two, in their quiver. For practicing. No. Imagine this, you're on a tree. And that's a raccoon, just don't left you alone. Oh. <laughs> which need to die. You know, you know those need to die moments? Yeah. Do you want to go down and shut the light? No. Especially a blinking light? <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 or this is another good one. I tell my customer, imagine this, you're in the middle of the rut. You've got a long dog, you've got two tags. You've got a long dog walking right in front of you, looking at the back, but there's no buck there. Do you want to shoot it with a lighter lock that stays on a blinking lock? No. It's broad daylight. You know you're going to get that pass through in a heartbeat. That's the reason you take your arrow out, you put your pocket knock, which is your auto shut off knock. You shot at the deer. Now you know the fight path. Do you know that just in case a branch or leaf cut you, you should at least know where your arrow is. So yeah. the arrow will pass through that deer, touch the ground. You look at the deer walker field, maybe you wish it good. The deer should die within 30 yards. So within sight. Then your lighter knock after 17 seconds from the time you shot, it shut off. How's your scenery maintain the same? Yeah. Now you know you better put on your blinking knock or your solid fire knock waiting for the buck because it's going to show up just like 15 minutes before legal. No, yeah. after legal. <laughs> and you know you always happen like that. Oh, yeah. That's where the blinking knock and also the, the, the hunting knock come into play. But then you also know one thing. You said, I told my customer who do solos, especially with Oregon, uh, Washington, hunt, you know, you go to back country. I said, take three of my blinking knot with you. Even if we don't use it, just leave it in the backpack. Because see, if you really get yourself in trouble, you need to call for help. Guess what you can do? Strike three on the blinking knot and put on an arrow and make yourself a triangle. You now got a ring of fire around you that's visible in two miles. Yeah, you will be found. Yeah, that's and that is one of the most safety features. See, think about it. My lightning knife is less than what seventy bucks. Seventy bucks provides you a flare yeah. that you can use whenever you feel like it. Or another thing, the blinking. You know, when you walk in the woods in the middle of the night to track a deer, the lightning knife actually is not a good indicator. A solar light. You know why? A twig will block your light. Oh, sure, yeah. But a blinking light will give you a one-meter halo. So your light light can be behind a tree. The halo would give you that whole halo. Boom, boom. So if you like me hunting, say, I remember the time I was hunting in uh, Martinos. I was walking all the way to the back past the dovetail. I mean, I turn around, I, I don't see anything because there's no moon that night. I can't find it. I said, oh, I just hope that I have my light and with me. I, of course, back then I used a, I figured that, you know, I don't bring that many arrows. Now I bring at least four. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, before we dive, there's more I want to cover on light and knocks, but my time's running out. So we'll do. No problem. Uh, Next time we'll do it. Uh, we'll talk about colors yep. and also, uh, also batteries, because I think a lot of people do not understand that portion too. Yeah. Yep. So that's the plan. Uh, if you guys are getting ready for hunting season, make sure um, you're checking out what Dorge has to offer with the lighted knocks, broadhead selection. Um, and as he mentioned, make sure you're getting to know your equipment 
Um, and if you have any questions for us, our emails are always in the show notes. George, thank you for taking the time out. Oh, anytime. Hunting season is quickly, quickly, quickly approaching. So, um, yes. Uh, got Tell it. me about it. I, I just ordered my bowstring. <laughs> oh, man. I, I need a new one. Yep. I know it's getting close, but you know what? It's better now or never. Yep. Yep. So, we got some preparation to do. Um, until next time, fellas, we'll talk to you.